One of South Florida's most famous buildings will get a new name. Yeah, you're going to have to get used to this because I know we're going to have to get used to this. The Miami Heat in late spring 2021, on long calls in Hong Kong, Sam Bankman Fried had been busy hammering out one of his biggest deals to date. The Miami Heat will soon play in the FTX Arena. By the fall, his brand would be in living rooms across the U.S. As millions of fans tuned in to watch the Miami Heat play basketball in the new FTX Arena. It was a big win, but it hadn't been easy to pull off. Sam wanted the deal done quickly, fast enough that the local Miami-Dade commissioner, Rennie Garcia, couldn't take too close a look at his business. We are expected to go through a contract in a couple of hours. That, my friends, is just something that I, I just don't understand. It doesn't make any sense. It's a $135 million deal. But in the end, the contract was signed. The promise of big money helping to grease the approval process. So it's the first time the arena will have a different name in two decades. FTX, FTX, FTX. FTX. You gotta FTX. remember that. Yeah. FTX, FTX. While newsreaders in Florida were struggling to get to grips with a new name, 10,000 miles away in Singapore, Sam's rival, CZ, the founder of Binance, was also baffled. We were proposed stadiums, but we said, no, that's not our thing. We're not going to do it. And we have football leagues that people introduce us to, Chelsea, uh, etc., you know, that came up. But we said, look, that's not our specialty. It's too far from our business. Sam was going in a different direction with sports. That wasn't so strange. But what really puzzled CZ was the multi-million dollar price tag. Like, even with just um, simple two-digit mathematics, it doesn't add up. Because we know how much money we make, and we know the relative size of their business. So on the exchange, we know roughly the maximum they could be making. And then it's not that much. CZ had been an early investor in FTX, and he still had a 20% stake in the business. His exchange Binance had 29 million users far more than FTX's one million. Yet somehow, Sam was outspending him in the US. We had reservations about how the hell does he have so much money? I'm Tom Wright, and this is Crypto Kingpins from Project Brazen and USG Audio. Episode four, coming to America. All robber barons want respectability. Sam had set up his business in Asia, free of regulation. But now he wanted to unlock the US market. And to do so, he needed to legitimize FTX. The Miami Arena deal was just the start. Celebrity endorsements, glitzy conferences, company takeovers, and lavish political donations. Sam would do it all. Of course, this kind of influence comes at a cost. So where exactly was Sam getting all this cash? I was like one of the least sort of like math-oriented geeky people around. And that's like a really shocking statement. In the world of FTX, there was a hierarchy of geekiness with Sam at the apex. Nishant Singh was cut of a different cloth, as he told the FTX podcast in 2020. He was fit, fresh-faced and ran ultramarathons. And he wasn't so into math. But Nishad did have a skill that Sam needed. He was a brilliant computer programmer. Nishad went to Crystal Springs, the same high school as Sam, and he was close friends with Sam's younger brother, Gabe. 
After graduating from UC Berkeley, Nishad landed a job as a software engineer at Facebook. He was still working there the first time he came by the Alameda offices. It was early days when staff worked out of an apartment in Berkeley. In the office, Nishad watched Sam execute a sequence of crypto trades. I knew nothing about trading at the time, but even then it was sort of understandable that sequence of trades was super profitable and easy to understand. Nishad was in awe of Sam, who was four years older. He was inspired by his vision of making millions in crypto just to give it all away. Everybody working there was highly motivated, was sort of effective altruism aligned, which mattered a lot to me. And it was clear that it could possibly be onto something pretty big. In late 2017, Nishad quit Facebook to join Alameda Research. His ambition was rewarded. By 2020, Nishad had been promoted to Director of Engineering at FTX in Hong Kong. He was responsible for the coding on which the exchange depended. The first six months were sort of absurd. Almost every sleeping hour was in the office, let alone waking ones. It wasn't like we were forced to do it. It was that we were all like really motivated by this and really excited by it. Things were busy. The exchange was bringing in thousands of new crypto users every day. It was crucial that trades be executed in microseconds, without fail. For the most part, this fell to Nishad's team. One day, Nishad ran some routine queries through the system, but the data he got back was far from ordinary. Nishad saw that Alameda, Sam's hedge fund, owed hundreds of millions of dollars to FTX. But it was still trading on the exchange, as if everything was normal. So he asked Sam what the hell was going on. Sam was offhand in his response. It's okay, Sam allegedly told Nishad, according to US government documents. Alameda was just borrowing the money temporarily. And he insisted there was no need to worry. Alameda had put down enough collateral to secure the loans. And that collateral? It was stacks of FTX tokens, a crypto asset that Sam had invented. This exchange between Nishad and Sam was reported by the New York Times in January 2023, citing US government documents. According to the Times, the documents referred to an FTX software developer known as CC1, which has been reported to be Nishad. In 2022, Nishad would plead guilty to six criminal charges, including conspiracy to commit fraud. But we can't be sure what went through Nishad's mind that day in 2020. Maybe he bought Sam's explanation, or maybe he didn't. But we do know he looked up to Sam. And eventually, Sam would convince Nishad to get his hands dirty too. I actually reviewed the company's code base and within the company's code base, you know, Nishad Singh, he could have made comments. Angus Berwick is an investigative reporter at Reuters. After FTX sank, he got a tip from a source that got him access to FTX's code base. It showed that Alameda had been exempted from this auto liquidation protocol. If a trader goes into the red, the system is supposed to automatically sell off their assets to pay the debts before they can make any new trades. But FTX wasn't applying this rule to Alameda. And I mean, that sounds quite technical, but what in effect that meant was that Alameda was able to borrow however much money it wanted from FTX without having to deposit any more collateral. I think the SEC ended up describing it as they had a kind of an unlimited credit line. And this credit line eventually ran into the tens of billions. Nishad's fingerprints were hidden all over the code. 
He'd left comments, notes to himself and other top executives. Be careful not to liquidate, he wrote in one. And of course, you know, the actual money that Alameda was technically borrowing, these were the customer funds. So this kind of outflow of customer money, it was disguised as loans. Nishad had created a digital backdoor, which Alameda used to whisk away millions of dollars deposited by FTX customers. As it turned out, Nishad wasn't the only one who knew Sam's secret. Court documents allege that Caroline Ellison, the senior Alameda executive, was in on it too. Maybe Nishad and Caroline really believed in Sam and thought the debts would be paid back soon. Or maybe it simply felt too late. They were already involved. Whatever their motivations, Nishad and Caroline didn't blow the whistle. Instead, they became accomplices. Together with Sam, they would deceive the public, their investors, and even other FTX employees. Senior people in FTX's like finance and, and legal departments, people who should have a full understanding of the company's position, it was always their understanding that the company was on a good kind of financial footing. They even cooked the books to fool FTX's accounting staff, according to allegations in Sam's indictment. The company had a kind of internal you know, bookkeeping system where people in the finance department, you know, they would log in and they'd be able to see how many customer assets FTX was controlling. The thing was, the numbers shown on the system were a lie, fixed to show customer funds that weren't actually there. The money had already been moved to Alameda. Sam denies stealing funds from FTX. In multiple interviews after his arrest, he claimed to have little insight into the workings of Alameda, even though he was the majority owner. When Sam bought the rights to rename the Miami Heat's arena, CZ had wondered just where FTX was getting its endless cash. Well, this was it. Sam had gone from offering dubious crypto bets in poorly regulated markets and misleading a bank or two to actions that would soon lead to allegations of fraud. Now, with hundreds of millions of customer dollars at his disposal, Sam had big plans. He would use this huge pot for an American acquisition spree, purchases that could make him seem legitimate. Luckily for Sam, in the US, legitimacy is always for sale. It was certainly a gold rush mentality, and I think a lot of that was exaggerated by the global pandemic shutdown, which saw many sports rights holders suffering a tremendous loss in revenue. Sunny Singh has been in sports marketing for 15 years. In 2020, with games put on hold due to COVID, some sports franchises in the US were in trouble. The crypto market at the time was in many ways perceived as being the saviour, if not the holy grail as such. These were companies that had made vast sums of money and were only predicted to grow larger, and they were disrupting the status quo. And similar to that of, say, the tobacco industry back in the 70s and 80s, and then more recently with gambling firms, you know, crypto-based companies effectively adopted a blank check mentality and promised the world. Sam came out of nowhere, wanting to sign sports sponsorship deals in hours. It should have been a red flag. The times were tough, and money talks. There was a lot of money being thrown around. It was from an industry that no one really understood at the time. According to the Financial Times, in the summer of 2021, FTX sent an 11-page presentation to celebrities. 
In it, the company claimed to have a profit of $800 million. The financials were pure fiction. But it wasn't long before these big numbers started pulling in sports stars. We saw a number of high-profile sports assets, athletes and celebrity ambassadors, all of which provided a legitimacy you know, to the company's dealings. Want to do one more? Hang on, there's a possibility of a trade. Tom Brady wants a trade. Could he be coming home? Among FTX's biggest celebrity endorsers were Tom Brady, the NFL quarterback, and his then-wife, supermodel Giselle Bundchen. FTX is the safest and easiest way to buy and sell crypto. It's the best way to get in the game. The cryptosphere took notice of FTX's sudden explosion into the American mainstream. A Coindesk reporter quizzed Sam on his motives. What is behind all these high-profile moves? You know, we feel like we've built a really great product and, you know, we'd really love to, to see just a lot of people, you know, get exposed to it and try it out and see what they think. Sam had started with professional traders. Now he was using famous faces to target American mom-and-pop investors. He set up an American subsidiary of FTX called FTX US, which offered a less risky set of products than the global exchange. Lured by celebrity endorsements, Americans began to sign up. And what about the celebrities? Well, in return for becoming brand ambassadors, the FT reported that Tom Brady and Giselle Bündchen took stakes in FTX worth $85 million. As well as Brady, there was Steph Curry, Naomi Osaka, Shaquille O'Neal, Larry David. Suddenly, FTX was everywhere. By the end of 2021, 5 million people would sign up on the exchange. I believe at one point there was not one sports rights holder that we weren't in discussions with who did not want to onboard a crypto client. Suddenly, every sports franchise in the country wanted in on crypto. The Staples Center in LA, home to the Lakers, became the Crypto.com Arena. Inter Milan, the Italian soccer club, put a crypto company on its jerseys. Mark Cuban, owner of the Dallas Mavericks NBA team, even began accepting Dogecoin as a payment for merchandise. For Sam, the Miami Heat arena was just the start. He snagged sponsorship deals with the Mercedes F1 team and Major League Baseball. But to do all this, he needed to put FTX on a firmer footing. At some point, he'd have to pay back the customer money he'd taken. Sam needed to raise genuine financing. And to do so, he turned to some of the US's most powerful venture funds. Like celebrities, sophisticated investors also wanted a piece of Sam and they wouldn't probe too deeply as they quickly handed over huge amounts of cash. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Just a month after closing the Miami Arena deal, Sam sat at his computer in FTX's Hong Kong offices, his headset on, talking on Zoom to partners from Sequoia an enormous American venture capital fund. He was having an investor's round and blowing everybody away who participated in that meeting. 
Sam was about to land more than $200 million in funding, but his attention was divided. A colleague passed by his computer and saw that Zoom wasn't the only application open on Sam's screen. Then a colleague was like, so hey, this was amazing. He walked over to his place and saw that he was just playing League of Legends during the meeting. Florian Mertz works in esports, the multi-billion dollar industry where teams of players compete in computer game leagues. One of the most popular games is League of Legends, in which teams of five combine to destroy other teams' bases. Hundreds of millions of people play the game, but it doesn't cultivate good behavior. League of Legends has a notorious reputation when it comes to being toxic because the players are kind of toxic in a way that they make it very hard for you to engage in the game. Sam loved League of Legends. He'd even started talks over a potential $210 million sponsorship deal with a top esports organization. Now it seemed he couldn't even stop playing during high-stakes negotiations with investors. According to a glowing profile commissioned by Sequoia, as Sam battled his opponents on screen, he simultaneously made his pitch. I want FTX to be a place where you can do anything you want with your next dollar, Sam said. You can buy Bitcoin. You can send money in whatever currency to any friend anywhere in the world. You can buy a banana. The private chat window on Sequoia's side of the Zoom suddenly lit up. I love this founder, one partner typed in all caps. I'm a 10 out of 10, wrote another. Yes, exclaimed a third. Sam's gaming during the negotiations would prompt endless discussion online about his genius. But it could quite as easily have been seen as a red flag. It was really crazy when you see that he was securing more than 200 millions of dollars. So that means he's so heavily into League of Legends, but he is so much into his work that he was combining both things at the same time. It seems that he has a feeling for saying the right things, even though he's distracted by doing something else. Over and again, Sam's obnoxious, unprofessional behavior was celebrated when it should have raised alarms. Investors were bending over backward to excuse his behavior. Wasn't he just a genius? A few quirks were to be expected. American sports stars and other celebrities had failed to dig deep, enticed by lucrative deals. The stars and their agents had bought Sam's claim of $800 million in profits, a ludicrously inflated number for a two-year-old company. But they were just celebrities. Sequoia, an early investor in Google, YouTube and Apple, should have noticed the warning signs. Instead, Sequoia wrote Sam a $210 million check. The company would be just one investor in a $1 billion funding round that valued FTX at $18 billion. Sequoia didn't respond to our request for comment, but the Wall Street Journal reported that the firm, in a call with fund investors, apologized for the loss on its FTX investment. It said it had been misled by FTX, and it promised to improve its due diligence process in the future. Remember that Asian investor whom I met at the wedding in Singapore? Well, this is how he suddenly became a billionaire. Only two years earlier, he bought a 9% stake in FTX for $2 million. Soon after Sequoia invested, he cashed out to enjoy the high life. No one, it seemed, wanted to cave to FUD, or fear, uncertainty, and doubt. It's an acronym crypto's true believers use to shame those urging caution. But as more people got sucked in, crypto was headed for a fall.
Sam had won the backing of US venture funds like Sequoia. He'd secured American celebrity endorsements. But most of his business remained in Asia. Now he turned his sights on Wall Street. Approval here would help FTX become a legitimate American business. He found help in an unexpected quarter. He had the world on a string, you know, and I trusted him and I liked him. I wouldn't have sold 30% of my business to him if I didn't like him and if I didn't trust him. Anthony Scaramucci, the mooch. He was President Trump's communications director for 10 days in 2017. And he's the owner of Skybridge Capital, a New York-based investment management firm. In 2021, he got to know Sam. I met him through a mutual friend. He did a, uh, a Zoom interview. He was in Hong Kong at the time. And I think he was in negotiations with Major League Baseball. He had the, the umpire's jerseys signed with FTX. That's actually a brilliant marketing idea in terms of getting your name out there. The Mooch was always looking for the next angle. And he was intrigued by this up-and-comer. He's ridiculously smart. He's very thoughtful. He's strategic. Okay, I, I would describe him as somebody that I could listen to. And, you know, frankly, I have a big mouth, but when I was with Sam, I would make sure that he was doing most of the talking because, you know, he's very, very smart. And Sam? Well, he wanted access to Wall Street's elite. And Scaramucci offered a way in through his SALT conference, an annual hedge fund gathering in New York. He had heard about SALT and he wanted to know if he could sponsor the conference and could we build a relationship. He was looking to meet more what I would call traditional finance people. And the idea was that he was going to get traditional finance people and institutions to open accounts on FTX. Wall Street giants like Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan had started to issue cryptocurrencies, although they remained tied by strict US regulations protecting consumers. Sam wanted FTX to become the JP Morgan of crypto. If he could win acceptance from Wall Street and US authorities, the sky was the limit. Maybe he could even dig himself out of the huge financial hole he'd created. The mooch was his way in. You know, Sam was on the rise. You know, he was building this business, but he was also gaining capital from some of the more respected VCs. FTX quickly got involved sponsoring his SALT conference. And Scaramucci sold a stake in his firm, Skybridge, to Sam. The mooch says many people were duped. It's not like there was no due diligence done, okay? So you'd have to get to what he was showing people versus what the reality was. I mean, we have to get to that because it's not like these people weren't doing due diligence. Sam was going places. He'd set up FTX US and started to generate a buzz thanks to celebrities and big venture fund investments. The US media had anointed him as the golden boy of crypto. But one person stood in his way, Chang Peng Zhao. CZ's Binance was still much larger than FTX and had also opened a US subsidiary. The battle for dominance of the American market was about to turn nasty. Emboldened by his success so far, Sam decided to turn on his old mentor. I keep hearing from other people saying that FTX or Sam's lobbying in the U.S. behind our backs and saying bad stuff about Binance or about me personally, etc. At the beginning, I just brushed it off, but more and more of people keep talking about it. So I was like, okay, that's got to be some truth to it. CZ still owned a 20% stake in FTX, 
But behind the scenes, Sam started working another angle. He wanted FTX to be dominant in the US market and keep CZ's much bigger crypto exchange at arm's length. With Binance out the way, Sam would be the true kingpin of crypto. In interviews, Sam began to portray himself as the upstanding American. One investor presentation claimed that FTX has the cleanest brand in crypto. Another described FTX as the world's largest non-Chinese crypto exchange. The implication was clear. CZ was not to be trusted. They spent a lot of time trying to paint Binance as a Chinese company. They were leveraging the US-China tension very aggressively. At the same time, a US-China trade war was heating up. Sam saw his opportunity to drag CZ through the mud, spreading rumors that CZ was a puppet for China's communist government, a spy within crypto. And, you know, he's an American citizen. I'm not a Chinese citizen, but I look Chinese because of my ethnicity. We heard a lot about CZ is part of the Chinese Communist Party or related to that somehow, which is completely not true. One crypto journalist even told us that Sam had personally pitched him a story about CZ, claiming he was allowing terrorists to move money using Binance. Eventually, on one of their regular video calls, CZ challenged Sam about all these rumors. We talked about it. I'm a much simpler direct person, so but I made it known that we know about it and we're not happy about it. But Sam simply danced around it. Oh, he's very good at being vague when he needs to be vague. He's like, oh, you know, we would say something like, you know, FTX is the most compliant exchange in the world, and that may be interpreted to be saying something against you, stuff like that. I can understand that part. You know, I can understand, you know, if you're lobbying in the US or, or in front of regulators, you want to say, hey, look, we're the best kid in the class. All these other guys are slightly bad. I can understand part of it. You know, that's normal. That's understand. It's not professional. It's not good for the industry, but I can understand that to some extent. And then the Justice Department was on Binance's case. Interesting that they're focusing in on Binance in particular. Chainalysis is saying more funds tied to criminal activity flowed through Binance than any other crypto exchange. CZ couldn't know for sure whether Sam's badmouthing had played a role in his legal troubles. But things had gone too far. CZ decided to cut all ties. He would sell back his 20% stake in FTX. I said, look, we don't want to be an investor if that was the situation. So we just exited it so that, you know, we, we want them to compete fairly. CZ had cashed out. He was no longer tied to Sam. But publicly, Sam would make it seem like he had dropped CZ. Here he is talking to Adriana Hamaker at Decrypt Media in 2021. We also recently repurchased shares from Binance to buy them out of our cap table. Hmm. You personally obviously know CZ. How has he taken the, the news that, you know, you don't want them as investors anymore? You know, we had a cordial conversation about it and got it done pretty efficiently. I think it's something that we both had been expecting. It would go in that direction for a little while. But but no, I, I think we're all both on the same page about that. I, I think he knows how he wants to run things. And you know, I, I think there are some differences between how we run our businesses. I know I, I'm, I'm happy with how we're running ours. Sam was winning the PR war, but there were other problems. FTX might have gotten its start in Hong Kong, but China had eventually wised up to crypto. By September 2021, the government finally realised it was an industry it couldn't control. So it decided to ban all crypto activities. The ban didn't apply to Hong Kong, 
but many of FTX's customers were based in mainland China, just across the border. The writing was on the wall. As part of the crackdown, the authorities froze some Alameda accounts in China. Sam's lawyers tried and failed to free $1 billion worth of crypto trapped inside. U.S. court documents allege that Sam would eventually hand over a $40 million bribe to Chinese officials to unlock the accounts. The accounts were released, but China and Hong Kong were no longer a welcoming home for crypto. Hong Kong was definitely not pro-crypto at the time. There were these sounds coming out from the regulators saying, well, look, we are going to regulate it, but we are not going to allow a whole bunch of practices. That's Ben Caselin, who worked for a rival crypto exchange in the city. One day, as Chinese authorities turned up the heat, he video called Sam to talk. And I remember talking to him, and in the background, I could see the palm trees. He'd expected Sam to be in Hong Kong. Instead, it looked like he was on a beach. SBF and his team had very rapidly left Hong Kong on a private jet. The boom era was over in Hong Kong, and Sam had gotten out just in time. And those palm trees? Sam was on the beach in the Bahamas. Just like that, he'd moved to the Caribbean, to a paradise nation whose regulators still welcomed crypto investors with open arms. And it was here in the Bahamas that his empire would reach new heights and Sam would fly dangerously close to the sun. Coming up on Crypto Kingpins. He was always very skeptical of any kind of politics. He's like, oh, left and right, who cares? They lived locked in their million-dollar apartments and were running it like a fraternity house. It affected so many people. It wasn't just accredited investors that lost money. It was regular people, too. Bahamians, they viewed it as a new day, a new dawning for our economy. He'd become like this kingpin-type figure on Capitol Hill. Crypto Kingpins is a USG audio production in partnership with Project Brazen. It's written by me, Tom Wright, and managing producer, Megan Dean. From Project Brazen, Bradley Hope and I are executive producers. Josh Block is our executive producer from USG Audio. Mariangel Gonzalez and Nick Brennan are senior producers. Georgia G, Lucy Harley McEwen and Ben Walsh are reporters for the project. Susie Armitage is story editor. Claire Urban is sound design supervisor with sound design by Alex Port-Felix. Seymour Milton is composer. Lucy Woods is head of research. Ryan Ho is series creative director and Julien Pradier is series designer. Noor Abdel-Latif is podcast strategist. Production management from USG Audio by Josh Laulongi. For more information on this podcast and other podcasts from USG Audio, go to our website, usgaudio.com. Thank you.